You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Man, welcome to the show. How are you doing, right? Very good, thank you. So, man, we're talking today, very exciting. You've just released your new book, uh, Approach Without Caution. And I just want to, just to give our audience a little taster, there's a quote uh, from the book that I, I have to share. I heard it when I was driving. And um, I think that this will just like set the tone because this book is incredibly funny. It's very well researched. Um, and it took me places I didn't think I'd go, but here's the quote. Chloe, my wife, thinks that only perverts would sleep with a sex robot. I just think that she knows that her days are numbered, especially if the Japanese can get their acts together and release the Shagbot 3000. <laughs> so, man, what motivated you to write the book? Um, so, I mean, firstly, you know, everyone always says that, you know, the sex dolls are, no, never do that. I mean, someone that's really fit, really lifelike, could knock it in and put it in the cupboard and not have any drama. So I don't, I think before you cast judgment, just wait and see where technology goes. Um, no, I think the book, so I've written a few books now. The, um, the last two were kind of autobiographical, um, but also very honest about my journey, about my experience in, um, in my sort of life and how I dealt with ups and downs, my approach to performance, uh, my approach to how to enjoy your life and sort of be able to do two, you know, a couple of things at once and the importance of life balance. And I think you know, a lot of the feedback I got from the book, the, the, the you know, the, the people on social media was they love the books, but actually what they really love was the mentality around um, how I dealt with these things and how my approach to council culture and the scrapes I got myself into. So I thought, you know what, there's a real, there's an idea for a book there. Um, you know, I didn't want it to be a self-help book inverted commas because I don't really think they work. Uh, I think I just wanted to go look, you know, I played around the world. I've worked with loads of different coaches, loads of different performance people, um, you know, loads of different psychologists, hypnotherapists. I've worked with some top people in business and I've learned a lot of lessons and I've seen what environments work and what environments don't work. And I thought I wanted to share that because I hear a lot of people complaining and making excuses for why they can't do anything anymore and how it's everybody else's fault and how uh, they wish, you know, they could sort things out. And I see people flitting from one fad to another. And I was like, look, someone needs to sort of cut through the shit here and say, look, this is how to do it. This is what you want to do. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to be dull. It's going to be boring. You have to do it every day. And do you know what? Sometimes it's, it's going to fail, but ultimately you'll, you'll, if you stick with it, you'll be, be successful. Yeah, I love that. And obviously for a show like this, I read, you know, by nature of the people who a lot of books. And I can tell you, it's unlike any book in this genre I've, I've read before. And there's a, certainly a lot of signal in there. Um, a couple of themes that perhaps jumped out to me, you mentioned cancel culture there. Um, you know, in the book, you seem to be an advocate for this kind of rational debate, you know, where kind of these inflamed emotions have, have taken over. But I'd just love to ask you, in writing the book, were you afraid yourself of perhaps being cancelled or, or offending people? Because you say that you were on your fifth life, I think, at the start. Yeah, I, yeah you're right. I, mean, look, I think I'm always, look, I, I think it'd be naive to say that I'm not concerned um, because, you know, ultimately I suck, suckle at the corporate tea. You know, I make money by selling books and having a media presence. Um, 
and getting cancelled look you know you could deal with it two ways i mean it depends what you are you know if you're if you do something terrible you know then you deserve to be cancelled within within reason um and you know but that's a pretty you have to do some pretty, some pretty extreme stuff you know i think writing something somebody doesn't like or calling someone a prick you know whatever or yeah. or you know getting caught for something you did ages ago and then you know sort of being you know be able to say look i've learned from that this is what happened in the past and i'm, I'm a big that's a big message in the book and you can't forget what happened in, in the past but it's the past for reason so we learn from it we don't go back and try and eradicate it and change it you can't go and erase colonialism you can't go and rate you know um, erase things that have happened what you can do is go wow that was awful uh, we don't do that now and actually we've learned to do it but now we try to hang people from the past who are already dead um, and already been made accountable or, or already failed and i think um for me that's that was quite difficult so uh, look i'm always concerned because I, I like making money um and ultimately you know the way i do that is in the, is in the media a lot of times they give a fuck because you can sort of do as i said two ways you can be piers morgan and double down and build a whole network around putting shouting these people down and you become uh, by your very nature untouchable within reason because you are fighting them um or you you know or you try to play toe this party line where you're all things to all men and women at the same time you know you, you're very vanilla you don't really have an opinion um you're panicked you're perpetually apologizing and i think if you if you have to stand up counterculture you can say sorry to blue in the face some people won't accept it some people won't and i think you, if you understand it's common sense then you should stick to your guns. And 99% of what I've said in that book, I genuinely believe is common sense. And I believe that people are sometimes too scared to say it. And we're now trying to accommodate everybody. And it's like, no, you know, if I, if I, if, I'll give you an example. You know, if, I, if I cook dinner and you turn up and you go, I'm a vegan, and I'm like, you fucking should have told me. It's not my problem. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to cook you. Like, you, it's your, you know, if you're, it's your thing, I'm not here to accommodate. I'm not going to cook a vegan meal just because you asked one. You know, yeah. uh, I'm not going to, you know, I would always accommodate. If you told me I would do it, I'd, there'd be no drama. I wouldn't go, oh, God. I just think lots of lots of times we now have to go to pace the slowest man. And life does not work like that in any way, shape or form. Because, you know, I can post about coffee and someone will go, well, I like tea. Well, I like herbal tea. You know, or, you know, you know, coffee farming, you know, is it, not great for the farmers and the environment. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. All I said is I wanted a cup of tea. So a cup of coffee. And so for me, I just don't, I'm not interested really. So I thought with the book... I'm going to have an opinion. I'm going to try to back it up with fact. Um, you know, I may get, I may get a few people ups, upset, but actually I want that. I want debate. I want people to, to have an opinion, you know? Right. And this is what you see in the book. You see healthy debate has turned into all at war, but that's not what makes democracy great. There's yeah, a huge degree. Yeah. Oh, please. Oh, sorry, we really quite. No, Karen, Karen, Karen. Sorry, yeah, you, you say there's a huge degree of arrogance shown by anyone who thinks that their opinion should no longer be counted. So your point there is, we really no longer tolerate the difference of opinion. I think we're scared to feel the feeling of being offended or uncomfortable when it's just a feeling. It happens to you. So your listeners of the podcast might not like me. They might go, oh, he's offensive. But, you know, it's not a, you know, I'm not offensive. You find me offensive. You know, I'm, it's down to your emotional interpretation. And I think we're trying to teach people to be, you know, uh, not, you know, we don't, not having to deal with emotions, sort of, you know, sh- getting people to shy away from feeling uncomfortable from feeling i don't want to feel you know i don't like this um and i don't know how to compute it or that th- that thing's wrong it's like there's plenty of things wrong um i think the, the thing about the healthy debate is is you know social media is not the platform for, to do that and that's where yeah. a lot of debate is now happening because it's brought the world together and connected people in a way that i don't think is beneficial i i think it's 
tried to create a platform where all level and we're absolutely not you know and life is not level we're born born from different places different parents different cultures different backgrounds and context is key and everything at the moment context is lost so you know how am i so if i come in and talk about subject um i don't know what it might be about but my social upbringing can be completely different from yours we don't know each other we're meeting on a on a on a, a sort of commentary around politics for example we're never going to agree so you know what what's the point what's you know and and the idea is we should agree but we absolutely shouldn't and i think context is lost across the board and you know i, I just think because of that because no one has a context and everyone has emotion when everyone thinks that their shit doesn't stink and they think their story and their journey is far more important um and they don't you know and, and a lot of people don't realize that they may be not as talented as they thought they were or not as intelligent as they thought they were or or that actually what's happened to them is not the the usual it just creates this cauldron of like of, of animosity you know everything always ends up with someone losing a job or hate mail or death threats and so i just don't comment anymore like it, i i, I equated in the book to you know a blue bottle buzzing at a window it makes a fuck ton of noise uh it doesn't get anywhere and ultimately dies and it's never going to break through the glass so you know if i have a difference of opinion and you know and it's not going to actually make any profound difference don't share it like you know you and i disagreeing about something online is going to make no difference ultimately I, mean, I don't think so what would be better is if you don't like something go out and make you you know focus on yourself and how can you actually physically make a difference and how what is it you can do that you control that will make a difference because shouting about it more often than not you know doesn't make a difference unless it's a massive a massive collective but even these prats gluing themselves to the the motorways and, and, and fucking standing in the way you know if they actually all individually what you know looked after themselves better um were better in society actually helped more um you know set a precedent in terms of the way they recycled or or they you know didn't use oil or whatever it would be and they got a collective to do it in a in a in a, in a way it it would benefit society way better than these outlandish things that achieve nothing it, it polarizes the people that were sitting on the fence the ones who hated you are all going to hate you even more and the ones you know and, and and i think very rarely encourages you know people to join i i totally agree i think one of the problems um kind of what you alluded to is that as you said the people that are going to museums and throwing soup on paintings or or gluing themselves to the road is that now brands uh companies they actually listen to these people they actually take heed of what these people say, and if you speak out against them, it's really only left now to the self-employed to actually speak up um, about them. So, do you see this problem as actually getting worse as opposed yeah. to better? Yes, it's way worse. So, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, you know, back back in the day, everyone had opinion, and mad people were always mad. And the world, I don't, I think the world has got worse, and I think it's getting worse because, um, you know people's fetishes it fetishes it fetishes fetishes um you know uh addictions everything's so much more readily available now right and um you know the kind of uh, the 24-hour news and the digestible content and you know kind of social media is, is exacerbated a lot of problems with 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 things i think you know eating disorders mental health suicide everything is sort of you know on the on, on the up um and I think around, you know, um, back in the day, people used to just row at each other in pubs or 
you know, complain to their parents. Now they're able to get online and share an opinion. And now that people have a voice and, you know, we're taught, we're taught that everybody deserves an opinion. Everyone deserves a voice. And it's like, actually, you know, what, um, <laughs> you, you know yes, you can have an opinion, but you shouldn't always be able to, 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 to share it because, you know, what's your basis for it? And if you take, if we put the, the you know, the context argument in, in place um and you aren't able to control your emotions and you are a bit extreme because everything's in extremes now the middle ground is sort of gone it's either either one way or the other it um it creates chaos and because people now have a voice what happens is online um you know if you say something you know one comment negatives feels like three three feels like nine etc etc right and so three hundreds you know 3,000, and it, it blows out of proportion. And brands are so panicked because everybody has instant access. Whereas before you just call up and you get through the switchboard, you couldn't really complain. You know, if you're a real noise, you'd write a letter. Now you can connect to that company visibly in front of everybody and say, oh, you know, how dare you work with James Haskell? He's a prick. Um, you know, and other people join you. Yeah, he's a prick. And then they'll copy articles because it's all digital. It sits there. And suddenly it's like people are storming your shop. So brands just don't want the drama. So they just want to be seen to be doing, you know, all things to all men. So they, they, they're they in panic and they go, right, well, we're going to stand James Haskell down, pending a further investigation. We don't, you know, don't associate with that. Now, if I sit down and I say, well, look, you know, I just called the bloke, you know, whatever, because he insulted me and said, you know, he's going to come shoot me. Um, what's the problem? Well, you know, we don't want to work here. But why don't you just turn around and say, we've looked into it. There's absolutely nothing here and make a stand. Now, the problem is that because they don't make a stand and they want to be, they don't really care about what's being said. They just want good PR. They allow the people online to suddenly have power. And people suddenly go, wow, if I complain loud enough and shout loud enough, then suddenly I will get people in trouble. And because these brands are so panicked about bad PR and don't want to be associated with it, they are just giving these people power. And then, I, But there's only one brand to my mind that I've seen that's actually stood up. So when Dave Chappelle mm. did his Netflix um documentary called the close or not the comedy stand-up called the closer it was all about kind of um about people's journey in life transgender debate race and everything else and it was a very clever clever um sort of social commentary on these matters and ultimately this conclusion was that everyone's on their own journey and you know just because you feel like you'd be marginalized and hated if you repeat that marginalized and, and and aggressive behavior you're not making the world any better you're just doing what people have done to you to other people and the cycle of hate continues and if we were more accommodating we were calmer and just let people be people and stopped getting so uptight about things um it would actually make a difference now when it came out the transgender people and lots of People went mad, got really offended, got very aggressive, stormed, and some employees from Netflix stormed the building and stormed a, um, a high-level business meeting, and they all got suspended. Right, everyone was like, "Oh my god, Netflix is you know transphobic." The transgender employees, you know, being fired, suspended. The, the Ted Sandros guy came out and said, "Look, you, you, you know." First of all, they've been suspended because they stormed a business meeting of a top-level executives, which we absolutely don't fucking tolerate. And Netflix has a pretty harsh employment policy. You know, if you were good, if you're the best person in the job, you get the job. If they find someone better, they let you go. Yeah. And that's and everyone knows that. And then they, they tell all the other staff why they let you go. It's a, they have a real open communication. So he was very clear about that. And then he basically came out and said, no, we're not going to cancel Dave Chappelle. We're not going to take Ricky Gervais off. We're not going to cancel any of these people because we will always try to create content that's uh, that uh, you know caters for a wide range of tastes. There will always be something on Netflix that you will find offensive. The same way as if you walk into a library, 
there will be a copy of a book that you will find offensive. For example, most libraries have a copy of Mein Kampf, right? right. You know, I imagine that pe most people would find that fucking offensive. I imagine a lot of propaganda from over the years or difference of opinions would be um, offensive. But no, no one's burning libraries. Well, they did back, you know, in certain countries and dictators, they did. And if you start controlling what people can, can digest, you're not far off that kind of level of, of, of tyranny. So brands have got a real important thing to do, which is to fucking stop letting people on social media, um, you know, dictate, stop worrying about their negative feedback. Like, you know, if I get 100 positive comments and 10 of them are, or 100 comments and 10 of them are, are bad, who gives a shit? It's, you don't want to be, you don't want everyone to like you. You don't want everyone to like it. And do you know what? You want people to go, that guy's an arsehole. I just don't like him. But get on with your life. It's like surfing through a TV. Don't like a channel. Just chuck and change it. Don't text the people or, or tweet the people in the show. Don't, uh, you know, message fucking Netflix. Just grow up and move on with your life because you're not going to make any difference apart from you lose someone a job. And what kind of person are you that does that? Right. And we're seeing it at the moment with uh, Amazon Prime and Jeremy Clarkson. That is one which is ongoing. I mean, look, you know, Jeremy Clarkson's a bit of a prick. <laughs> Everyone knows it, you know. Um, <laughs> look, he, you know, he is, but, but you know, he is kind of... I mean, the best way to say it, you know, he's kind of, uh, he's always been like that. He's opinionated, outspoken, uh, middle England, uh, you know, drinks, like drinks, you know, drinks, smokes, says everything. I read, I read his books, you know, some stuff I love from Jeremy, some stuff I don't. Um, he's, you know, he's an opinion piece. He's, you know, he's perceived as a man's man. You know, he's, you know, when people say political correctness has gone mad, you know, it's just that that's Jeremy Clarkson. Now, you know, did what he wrote, for example, is fucking awful. And what he thought about it and even though it is the scene from um game of thrones and i knew it so as soon as i read it i knew it but he didn't reference it don't know what the fuck he was thinking commenting that about a woman you know especially a, a, a woman of color especially around this time it's fucking naive now you know you know should there be some um you know recrimination yeah I, um you know should he be look should he be fired i don't i don't know i think you know should the bloke's whole Look, career be be blown up. I don't know. Um, I think he's apologised. I, I owned it, uh, and I think that's all you can do. Because if you apologise and you own it and you publicly do, you know, and you know, say something and, and apologise twice and double down, I don't know what there is more you can do. Because if if sorry means nothing, then what's the point of apologising? Like I, I've had this argument with my wife lots of times. I said, listen, if you want me to apologise for something or say sorry, but you're still going to treat me as if I didn't say sorry, what's the point? <laughs> Because I'm not going to apologise. Because, you know, the part of the apology is, is the, uh, you know, an admission of guilt and for all of us to move on. Now, I would never wish anyone to lose their, their career. You know, I think, the, you know, I think it, it, uh, the one thing I would say is that, may, you know, perhaps something like in his column, I'd go, look, maybe you need to have a break from that because, you know, and reset some of your values, and understand what's acceptable and what's not. But to remove him from the grand tour, you know, that's not, that's not connected to what he what he did, you know, if he, if he doubled down, if he's like Kanye West, you know, which is, is someone who's in the throes of mental illness. And again, I, there's so much hypocrisy. I know we're going off on, sorry, going on a tangent, but there's so much hypocrisy now that, you know, Jerry Clarkson does this, Kanye West, you know, says that doubles down, but you know, what's more terrifying about Kanye West, he's clearly mentally ill, mm. like clearly mentally ill and has been mentally ill for a really, really long time. And his documentary shows it. His friends have been talking about it. Virgil Abdul, you know, uh, Abloh stepped away from him because he was mental. 
you know, and we're all just letting him carry on being mental and we're writing about it and people are slamming him. And it's like, if I walked into the, a room and I saw someone with, with a mental disability and I just started hammering them, I'd be, I'd be, you know, cancelled, right? So, but yet all, everyone's just watching him blow the world up and just not do anything about it. So I just think it's so, I think that without seeing cast the first day, and I don't believe in, in God at all. I don't, I'm an atheist, but I, what I do believe is that principle is, you know, worry about your own fucking shit. You know, like Jeremy Class has come out, publicly apologised. You know, I've not thought, I've not thought twice about it. You know, obviously Harry and Meghan, for them, it's it's something to be concerned about. You know, yes, that language around women and what you should do is not great. Considering I think you'd have to check the stats is that, you know, because of pornography and other things, there is a lot of increased sex, sexual violence towards women and violence towards women. So, you know, it's not great precedent. You know, could he do more? Could he educate? Could he change the way he writes? Could he, you know, adopt a different thing? Would I, would I take away his column? Yeah, probably. Because I don't think he's maybe the right influence for society at the moment. Yeah. Would I cancel him? No. But I just think everyone's so judgmental. It's like half the people, half the people writing about this stuff, it's just like, look, you know, you, if I dug deep into you, I think I'd probably find a few things. Worry about your own life. Like, how good are you? How good are you treating women? How do you speak to your partner? You know, how do you look after your yourself? What are you doing for, for, for anti-race stuff? What are you doing for um, women's rights? What do you, you know, and everyone's so busy pointing the finger at someone else. And I guarantee if, you, if they all did better in all the areas I've listed, that would make a profound difference. That's opposed from sacking fucking Jeremy Clarkson from the Grand Tour and, you know, Wanky Farm, whatever it's called. Right. And uh, on the show, my co-host made a prediction many, many years ago that, that Gary Lineker, because he shouted so loud from the rooftops, would eventually some sort of scandal would <laughs> eventually come out around him. But man, I absolutely love that that segment. I'd love to kind of um, move through the gears. Um, one of the things, obviously, about you, man, is you are a polymath. You are, you know, many, many, many caps for um, for England rugby. Uh, Seventy seven, I think, best selling author. Uh, a DJ, you signed up to fight in uh, Bellator in, in the MMA. You were obviously on I'm a Celebrity, even a barista, as you, you mentioned in the, the book. You've done so many things across so many different disciplines. What would you say is about you, whether that's a habit or a mindset, perhaps that has allowed you to do those at a high level across many different disciplines? I think it's, I think, look, first of all, it's... Um... A lot of lessons I learned early on from, from my rugby career is that um, you know no one's coming to save you, no one's coming to give you the career you want. You don't, you know, we're led to believe now you deserve lots of things and you can achieve everything. You, you don't and you can't. Um, I think you have to, you know, understand that it's a constant battle to work. To to to, to work, you've got to hustle like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, you've got to put the work in. And be prepared to suffer, but work smart. Like, you know, work out what you want to do early on. Look at how you're going to go and do it. Break it down into manageable chunks and make yourself accountable. So for, for the DJ, and I'll give you an example, uh, you know, it was all I wanted to do. Um, I was, you know, fanning around, tried to bought some equipment, didn't know how to do it. You know, worked with a few DJs, couldn't get my head around it. Ended up going and um, doing a DJ course, paid, you know, went, you know, three times a week consistently to go and do it. Got a you know, hustle to get a gig at the end of it. Got a gig at the end of it. Um, you know, started reaching out to other DJs. Started doing other courses online. Um, started uh, you know recording my sets. 
you know, watch video wise, uh, audio wise, watching the back, listening, watching other people, finding inspiration, what dissecting what they did. Got myself a DJ agent, called the DJ out every day, going, look, I want a gig. This is what I want to do. And I just pursued it and pursued it and pursued it. And I kept, you know, kept saying to him, well, look, you're never going to make it. You're a Z-list celebrity, former DJ player. And I was like, okay, um, former rugby player. Um, you know, you need a radio show, you need a podcast. I was like, right, how do I do that? Taught myself to, you know, to, to edit a radio show. Taught myself how to use Ableton. Um, did a course on it. Started recording my radio show. You know, we get 60,000 listeners per month on it. Um, across digital radio called Back Row Radio. And then they were like, oh, well, you, you know, you need to make music now because that's what seriously. So I did a tour room course, you know, and, and I realized I was so limited for time. So I started working with producers, you know, who would um, who'd be able to put my ideas in place and just keep doing it. And the same thing, I'm doing the same thing now, you know, just finished six tracks, on to my DJ agent every day, working with different people. And if I sit ever and i'm like oh god my dj career is not where i want it to be like oh woe is me this is shit maybe i'll give up if i ask myself am i practicing enough am i hustling enough am i um looking for feedback enough am i reaching out to people enough um if the answer to any one of those is no then it's my fucking fault so stop moaning shut the fuck up and get on with it and i'll go back and do it again and because i know I've got a process for each one of those things. And it's, e- it's even easier when you do a DJ set. So I say I do, do a DJ set and it doesn't go well. And I go, oh, shit, I'm crap at DJing. I hate this. Like, it's awful. I can't do it. I then go, did I practice in the week? No. Did I prepare my tunes enough? No. Am I um, getting extra help? No. Have I practiced another DJ? No. Um, you know, am I, um, you know, was I calm enough? No. You know, did, did I, was I drunk? Was I too drunk? Whatever. If, again, the answer to them is any one of them I can control and it's wrong, it's your fault. So go back and fix it and go and do it. But everyone wants to point fingers now and go, oh, it's the universe. It's everyone else. It's my parents. Oh, you know, something tragic happened to me and I just can't do it. It's like, no, it's your fucking fault. And, and do you know what? That's why I know mental health is not simple as just saying cheer up. But equally, the thing with mental health is, which really frustrates me, is they go and do, you know, say you've got anxiety or whatever, you know, and you sit there and you can't deal with anxiety. You need help. Because if you could fix it, you'd already fixed it. And what you understand is that human state goes from one positive, negative all the time. And it's very natural. So if you can't fix yourself, go and get help. And when you get help, you're going to have a session and the person's going to make you feel better. Right? You walk out, you feel better. And that better like motivation lasts for a couple of hours, a couple of days. And then ultimately you um, you know, you still feel, you know, you still feel like you know, you come back to feeling shit. You have to work on the stuff they give you every day. Every day, mental health is, you know, reframing stuff is, you know, dealing with your problems. Your problems aren't going to go away, you know, because your parents died when you're younger and they gave them you know, money, your mum was a crack addict, or you injured yourself in rugby, you can't do it. It's never going to change. So what is it you do to manage that? Um, and it's re- re- revisiting it every day. And the thing is, you're still going to have bad days. You're still going to feel anxious. You're still going to feel shit. But the thing with mental health is how quickly you get back on track after those moments. So, you know, if you do nothing take weeks, never be addressed. If you do something once, you might learn something, might take you a couple of days. If you do something every day, it could be a matter of hours and minutes. So if I feel, if I come off a DJ gig shit, people have criticised me online, I feel crap, uh, this is awful. And so I'm still very hard on myself. I still have self-doubts all the time. I'm riddled with insecurities around, around performance and I'm pretty unfulfilled with all the things I've done. But then I look back at it and I readdress it. And within minutes, I'm back onto it. Got a plan, know exactly what to do, positive and crack on. One of the things that you've mentioned, obviously, in the book, you come up with with five pillars. Um, 
But it, that's what I'm kind of getting from there is that you were willing to look nakedly at your own performance and be perhaps your own toughest critic. And that is perhaps one of the things that will drive you to higher performance. Does that sound, does that sound right? It, it is, but yes, 100% you are right. But I think sometimes you're tough, you're, as a critic, you're clouded by your own mental health issues or your whatever, and you can be very harsh. So I think you have to be accountable. I think once you understand how to be accountable in a positive way, i.e., you know, like I said, re- 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 you know, reviewing your performance, looking at um, your the, the 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 process and the elements that make up your performance, and if one of them is missing, you know, then you know why you made a mistake. There's nothing worse in life knowing why something went not knowing why something went wrong. If something's a freak, but there's more often than not there'll be a reason why something didn't go wrong, and you can put a process behind anything. You can put a process behind podcasting, public speaking. You know, even in a relationship, you can put a process. You know, if you if your partner you drive your partner mad and, and, and an argument explodes, you know, but you know the way to manage it, and you've done some couples therapy, and you know how to get out of it. But you don't put that part into that process, and then you look back and go, "Why did it go? Why did it, why did it all fall apart?" Because you didn't fucking you know do the one bit you're supposed to do. And so I do take extreme ownership, but actually I think it's really important to reach out to people doing what you want to do better than you. And also getting feedback from people that are going to give you an objective opinion. So, you know, my dad was, if I asked my mum how I played in every game, she'd tell me that I was the best ever. <laughs> my mums always love you and my mum doesn't really know what's going on. My dad was really, really harsh. You know, we don't, we'd only focus on the negatives. So, you know, and that wouldn't help me feel better. So what I would do is I'd, I'd find coaches that were able to communicate with me in a right way and go, look, this and this wasn't good. This was direct, really good. This is how to go and fix the bad things. Come with me and let's work on it, which for me is my recipe for success. But I knew that. I learned how I wanted to do that. Some people need to be told, you're shit house, and they'll just go away and do it themselves. Some people need to be told, you're absolutely brilliant. Nothing's wrong. And then the coach has to find a way of, of going, well, by the way, you could probably do that you know, slightly differently. If you try to do it differently and teach them. And so that's important. But you can, you'll find people in your life that will give you that. You'll find, you know, I ask I'll send clips to DJ, of DJ sets to a guy that's way better at DJing than me and ask him, what do I need to do? And he's a mate. And, you know, you know tries to be nice. I said, no, no, be harsh. Because you're not helping me by being harsh. He goes, okay, I think you need to do this, this. Let me show you how to do it. And that's how I do it. And that's the setting of a public speaking. I'll record my speeches. Or I'll go to the organiser. I'll be like, look, you know, what did you think? Or my co-host, Alex Payne. What did you think? And he'll be like, oh, I did realise that. Come on, I'll tell me. He goes, yeah, look, I think probably you know, maybe swore a little bit too much here or, you know, that story probably doesn't work. Think about it and I'll go away. And then I've got some real tangible feedback, um, which is important because we all need feedback, you know? For me, obviously, uh, as a man, when I was going through kind of the uh, the last chapter in the book, it was interesting how a lot of the stuff that you talked in there were kind of stuff that me, a guy, obviously in my mid-20s, saw uh, just in my own life, my own friend group. But I'd love to ask you, um, why do you think perhaps in this day and age men are really suffering? Why are men suffering so bad? Um, look, you know, this is a difficult topic because you know, one false move and you sound like Andrew Tate, and I think you know, th- th- which again, you know, with everybody, you know, there's always something that you will find within any person that that is 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 true and correct. And now I haven't looked, I don't, I don't follow him, but I know, I know a lot of his principles, you know, I think. I think it's you know for a long time um, you know things were unbalanced and always been through history you know that with 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 women for example they only got the vote in I think is it nineteen eighteen or something nineteen twelve it's like ridiculous 
right? That that, that we felt like we were superior. Um, I think that men now are particularly um, lost because of uh, you know expectations on people. I think social media has made it way worse. I think um, but, you know, body image is, 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 for example, massively important because social media is such a visual a visual medium. You know, um, you want to be successful. You want to have the right car. You know, you want to do whatever it might be. And I think that pl- puts a lot of pressure on people. I think um you know men are much more practical but very uh, less emotional women are much more emotional they don't have a lot of practicalities and uh, i think we're very different than women and i think we're taught a lot of the time that we should be quite the same we're not we're distinctively not and that, i think that's why relationships fail because people don't appreciate that a woman needs to be managed in this way with emotion and a man needs to be managed in this way yet we're never taught about that and we just talked that you should be, you should just get on and everything will be we fine. I think that makes life very difficult. That we we're also, I think, insist consistently told that you know things that we believed in of being a man and and, and you know and, I, and sort of being that hunter gatherer mentality and kind of being strong and dominant and chivalrous and you know physical um, is not often not really people aren't that keen to have that kind of thing. They want you know they want. All the chivalrous parts but then they don't want you to be like you are and you sort of think guys are quite lost and i think there's a lot of um false idols out there and people kind of giving you the wrong impression and i think you know at, you know with something like andrew tate you know he, he where he loses me is he says women are possessions and everything else like that it's like fucking mate you just lost the plot like i understand what you're trying to say and i think being i'm i've got no problem being a dominant alpha male who holds doors for women who speaks his mind who, you know, loves cars, loves a piss, loves a cigar, you know, fucking, you know, will make rude jokes, you know, is a bit of Neanderthal. That's me. You know, when you say toxic masculinity, I'm, I am a man. I'm a masculine man. <laughs> That's what I do. I lift heavy shit. I carry shit. I swear, um, you know, I love women. Um, I objectify women, uh, you know, uh, not, not intentionally, but I'm fucking, you know, we're pro- genetically programmed to do that. You know, I'm married. I've got a, fa- I've got a family, you know, that's me. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not anything that, you know, do, am I comfortable with people's sexuality? Yeah. Do I want everyone else to have the best journey? Yeah. I don't have any hangups with that stuff, but that's just me. And I think we're sort of trying to dumb a lot of that down. Um, and I think we don't communicate very well. I think there's a real macho thing that's going on, um, which is, you know, very difficult. And I think because I think as well, you know, social media camera phones, people, you know, recording stuff. So everyone's always worried about kind of, acting up and always having to adopt this persona. And I think a lot of people are lost because, you know, we've, we've gone, we've gone away from playing sport a lot. We've gone away from being active and physical. We've gone away from people wanting to have physical, you know, physical careers. We're meant to do shit like that. So I think people are lost, bored, confused, um, and they don't speak up about their problems. And I think it's, you know, not getting help and not working in mental health is far weaker than, than, you know, whatever, by, 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 you know, by, by, doing it you know because if i said i've got mental health problems and i go and fix it that's fine not speaking up is way weaker than be doing what i'm doing you're not fucking cool you're not clever you're not smarter you just shoot yourself in the foot and i think men need to take ownership of themselves again and just understand that you know however you're going through and suffering you know only you're going to fix this problem and even when you go to therapy only you fix you and i think for me that's a really important um a message and i just think you know i don't think we should shy away from being men i think if you've got problems and you're feeling insecure feeling upset you know embarrassed 
just fucking go and work on it. You don't have to t- shout it from the rooftops. You don't have to cry on Instagram. Just go and get help. And there is help all over the place. Um, and I think it's just a very confusing time for a lot of people. And I also do think, though, a lot of this stuff is much more hyped up than you would believe, you know, because the Andrew Tates this world, uh, uh, you know, uh, are very sensationalist. The, you know, the, the very strong feminist view that men are toxic is very, is very loud. Is it actually impacting us? Well, if you read the newspapers, you'd think it was. I've never had a problem with any of that. Uh, because I, you know, if I went online and spoke to social media, I'd find it. Nobody said shit to me in, in, in person. You know, I've spoken at dinners and women have complained that you know we're misogynist. And I was like, listen, it's a joke. I play on a stereotype. It's clearly a joke. I'm paid to be here. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Don't don't worry about it. You're not going to change me because I don't. You know, I don't go around treating women like that. It's a joke on a stage. You know, and I think I think you've got to be very careful not to buy into all this shit. And I give you one example. Sorry to, to, to finish. Is I saw online the other day. Um, that somebody, there's a newspaper article about people wanting human rights for bugs. <laughs> you can't kill bugs, right? So you hear that and everyone goes, the world's gone fucking mad. Wokeness has gone mad. This is awful. These fucking people, right? Nobody is trying to get bugs human rights. And if they are, who cares? Because it's never going to happen, right? Uh, but if you read the Daily Mail, if you read the articles, if you listen to your friends, this is a big thing. Right. If you cl- if you unfollow Andrew Tate and don't read, you're never going to hear about Andrew Tate again. If you, you know, feminist and, and all this, you know, someone called me a cis man. The other day. I was like, no, 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 I just whatever. Look, I, don't, I support all of you. Crack on. But I'm not another version of a man. I've always just been the man part. You know, if you want to call me like an ally, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a supporter. It's fine. But I'm not any of that. I just that we don't read a fine. don't redefine what I what what science has, has, has said you can you know you can do, be everything you want whatever you're comfortable with and i will always accommodate you if you said to me i want to be called a different uh, pronoun of course i'll do that but you've got to you've got to inform me because i'm i don't walk around thinking about it and that's what and i just think as long as people have the attitude to be accommodating not to be attacked not to try to label things as um you know and to change i was like changes isn't important but not trying to just get bogged down with all this stuff i think for me that's that's really important. And I actually think men just need to realise that half these problems aren't a real problem. You know, I don't I don't really think a lot of it is. Just get on with yourself, worry about yourself, get off the fucking phone, get off the papers. And if you, you know, and just understand, treat people how you want to be treated, be nice and just get on with it. Because I don't, I don't, I just haven't had it. And I might be wrong. And I, but I, and I live in London and I work in, I go in the media, media. So you're bound to see that. I don't work in the fashion industry, but I just don't have any of this, this, this drama you know, I don't feel like I'm repressed. I don't feel like I need to march and take over the world. I just need to, I just think about being better myself. What do I want to do? How do I want to do it? Don't judge anyone. Get on with it. Tell these guys where they can connect with you, yeah. where they can get the book, any closing messages. So if you yeah, so if you want to find a book, it's called Approach Without Caution, Five Pillars, the Five-Step Guide to Take Control of Your Life. Um, it's available at Amazon WH Smith's Waterstones. It's an audiobook on Audible. You can hit me up at Instagram at James Haskell. Um, I've got all my links there for my radio show, Backrow Radio. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm a media whore. I'm everywhere. Um, yeah, give me a follow. Let me know what you what you thought. Man, I love that. Everything discussed today will be uh, linked below. So for everyone listening, can just swipe up on the episode, grab a copy of James' book. And man, let me pay my gratitude to you for firstly for coming on the show and for sharing your your lessons. I really really enjoyed it, and also for writing a fearless book. 
one which I think is very much needed at the moment. So, man, thank you so, so much for coming on. Thanks, my friend. Look after yourself. Thanks for having me on.